I mentioned this, uh, I think I mentioned it Sunday, I've mentioned it several times before that as well, that, you know, um, obviously Nitten got saved here and uh, has grown a lot here, but um, it's not only our church that has helped him grow, and it would be foolish for us to think that, and I know that uh, Pastor Richard has a college or an institute, I guess, maybe, um, and uh, I know Nitten's been involved in that for, for quite some time since he got saved and started training for the ministry, and, and I know it's been a huge, huge help to him, and, and um, just uh, in the content of the messages that he preaches and everything else. So Nitten's going to come up here and introduce him a little bit and uh, give a little bit of testimony about that, and then uh, Pastor Richard's going to sing and, and uh, play the guitar, and then he's going to preach for us after that. So Brother Nitten. Good evening. So, so I like to tell you this. So once I got saved as a, and uh, <clears throat> so I was uh, looking for the word of God, right? I, there was a desire in my heart. So to, to learn the word. And as I told you, Lord search the heart, right? Lord sees the heart. And uh, so what happens is, while, while I was getting disciple in my initial days, I think it was after three or four months. So one of my uh, Hindu friend, his name is Anish, I got a call from him and he said, hey, uh, there is a, one pastor, uh, uh, he's having his Bible college every morning at eight o'clock, do you want to join? Uh, like, uh, I'm not sure, eight o'clock and then started, right? Eight o'clock and how much time it is? Every day, every week, yeah, it's twice or thrice a week. I'm like, wow, that is a dedication now, right? You have to surrender because there must be something you have to cancel and join there. And that is a commitment also. And then like, who is the pastor? Uh, oh, he is from India, Pastor Richard Jacob. I'm like, India? No, 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 no. I'm not going to join any Indian pastor. And so I immediately said no to him. Uh, in my heart, but I was not ready for that. I was like, I know Indian pastor what they knows. I know many of them, so I'm not going to do this many things for someone who is Indian. And I'm like, he, you said he's in U.S. or he's in India? No, he's in uh, U.S. Uh, uh, he said, hey, give your try. And I'm so thankful uh, that I decided, okay, I will do that. And uh, again, my heart was not ready, but I, okay. And again, Lord was protecting me to be there. You know, and it was the constant battle basically to take that decision. And I went into that class and I was like, Indian guy again, <laughs> teaching the word of God. Doesn't sound right, it has to be a white guy. <laughs> again, so he started uh, sharing his, uh, uh, he started, he immediately went into the class and he started and, and again, right, it was the word of God. I was like, wow, this is good, this is good. You know, and I started and started, and then suddenly so many things through the word of God, and it started revealing to me about his, uh, what he said actually into the word, and I was getting so excited, joyful, and I'm telling you, it was such a blessing for me, uh, the confidence it gave it to me, and uh, uh, the rightly dividing the word of God to be into his word, what he's telling, right? Uh, and it has helped me such a lot. And that's why I always tell you, the more you open your heart, the more you go near to the Lord, 
the Lord will find a way. You know, he will, he will send someone. And uh, after this church, the first blessing to me, how miraculously, and I don't want to uh, take that time, as you already know, and then connecting him. And since like 18 months, almost 18 months, I believe, every morning, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, because Wednesday, I take the Bible class to my people in Amravati. So I joined, so with three people. So one who was Hindu, who got saved. One who was atheist. He was about to, I believe, uh, uh, do suicide. And Pastor Richard met him, and he got saved. And one me, who called myself a Christian, who got saved. And we was the three, three students since initial till now, till we are doing the same class. And hopefully tomorrow, uh, not hopefully, uh, tomorrow and Friday is our last uh, class. And we'll be continuing in from India also, uh, whenever it's possible. And uh, when I get settled, our plan is to continue also. So right now we are doing the pastor epistle. We are almost done. We started with Acts 1. Uh, Acts 1, even Johan and my wife, we all family joined every Monday to take the classes for the word of God. And his daughter, his son, they also joined. Uh, but I'll, as I tell you, right, as Pastor always mentioned, uh, uh, Lord brought so many things together for me, uh, and I am so thankful. I'm so thankful first to this church and then to Pastor Richard and his ministry. He's from Nashville Baptist uh, Church, and uh, he's going to, of course, tell about him. But, uh, and I'm such a, and it's worked so perfectly, you know, before I go at the last night I have to have him, you know, in our church. And, uh, you, you know, you always want to introduce the, out, uh, the person who met to your family. And I think that's what it is. Hey, family, you know what? There was one more friend that the Lord brought me. I just want you to introduce to him. And uh, thank you, Pastor Richard. And uh, again, I'm, thank you for everyone. Pastor, you can come ahead. Well, I couldn't imagine life without the Lord. Way back in 1989, God sent a missionary to India. Uh, she was there in India probably uh, a long time before I came to know her, uh, but in 1989, I met her in a place, and uh, she was the sweetest lady you'd ever meet, and uh, she was from Simcoe, Ontario, Canada, and you might know her, Miss Olive Britton, and she had the sweetest smile, but the first question she'd asked me would change my life forever after she asked me my name. She said, Richard, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure where you'd go? And I said, um, I have no idea, you know, and that day she started the ball rolling in my heart and life, and boy, what a change it's been, uh, by, but for the grace of God, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today, and so I'm grateful to God for missionaries, I'm grateful to God for churches that have invested in my life, and I'm grateful to God for the people God puts in our lives, uh, so many wonderful people that have invested and uh, helped me to become who I am. Uh, tonight... I want to turn our attention to the book of Psalm, Psalm 1, and we're going <clears> to <throat> study this psalm. It's the very first psalm, and so it's the gateway to the book of Psalms, as the doorkeeper to the whole book of Psalms. And uh, if you believe that God inspired the Bible, you'll realize that God put the psalm on purpose where it needs to be. So you and I would find out the secret to why God put the psalm in this place. And if you notice, in the very first word, it says blessed. And that word blessed um, means happy. And, you know, in our world today, people are looking. They're searching. 
And it doesn't matter where you're from. You know, when I was in India in 2000 and about two, um, God was opening a door for us to come to America, and I didn't want to come. Uh, that's the truth of the matter, okay? A lot of people want to come, but we started the Whitefield Baptist Church in India from scratch, from little kids to young people to a full church, and I, my heart was in it. I said, I can't leave. Uh, you know, God had to do many things to get me out of that country, but, um, you know, um, a lot of people are looking for, uh, for, you know, happiness. That word blessed means happiness, but they're looking in the wrong places. Uh, where they can't find it. Uh, they look for it in money. You can't find it in money. You say, really? Try going to Walmart and asking them to give you a $100 refill of joy. You can't find it. You know? Uh, you cannot find happiness uh, at the bar. You cannot find happiness with drug dealers. You cannot find happiness if you went all around the world. Uh, God says, I'll give you the key to where you can find happiness. And that's why God put Psalm 1 where it's rightly placed. And so tonight we're going to study it just quickly for sake of time. But I want you to notice the first word, it says, blessed is the man. Which man is he talking about? Who's the man that's blessed? Of course, it's not the man that's, you know, got all the education. Of course, education is important. It's not, uh, it's not that, you know, money is bad or education is bad. But when you love those things and you're seeking for the you know, the wrong thing and putting the priority wrong, now you're messed up because you're chasing after something that's never going to uh, be found. And so, the first thing I believe here the psalm is uh, telling us is uh, the way, the place you'll find, uh, you know, this happiness is in Jesus. So, blessed is that man, which man? The man that's saved. That's the man that's blessed. You know, the day I got saved, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't even have a dollar. But when Jesus saved me, joy came into my heart. He flooded my soul with joy. And uh, I remember singing all the way. People must have thought, he's crazy, you know. He's talking to himself. But I couldn't contain it. I was so thrilled. I, was, I found Jesus. And uh, uh, I remember telling my, uh, my father-in-law, who was a missionary in India, and he started a church, and I said, I want to go to Bible college. And um, he said, Okay. And I didn't know anything about Bible college. I came from a big school. We had about 1,500 kids in our school. We had a beautiful building. We had desks for every student. We had facilities. We had playgrounds. We had everything you could think about. And so when I thought of Bible college, that's my idea of Bible college. And when I went first to Bible college, he said, okay, we're going to start classes. He said, pick up your chairs. I said, what do you mean pick up your chair? We picked up steel, steel folding chairs, went up on the terrace of the building in an open roof, and he said, this is where we're going to have class. And I said, you've got to be crazy. You called us a class, and um, there were a few guys. And boy, I tell you what, we had um, some difficult days with hot, scorching heat up on the terrace. And then he said, we're going to get an upgrade. I said, what's the upgrade? He said, we've got a building right across the street. I said, praise the Lord. Finally, we're going to go into a building under a roof, right? And uh, the, we found out later that they had chicken in that building. No windows and doors. And... They put the chicken out and put us in. <laughs> and I said, man, this is getting better. You know? But I'm just saying, listen, uh, I knew one thing about that college. They taught the Bible. I could see it in who they were. I could see it in Miss Olive Britton when she taught the life of Christ. She would weep right in front of us as she taught the word. And I said, man, these people are real. They're real. They love Jesus. That's what matters. And so, 
tonight, I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, you know, the very first thing you need in your heart and life to have joy is Jesus. You have no joy, there's no Jesus. If you have no Jesus, there's no joy. If you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, then you'll know joy. So the Bible says. Not only should we be saved, but the psalm also goes on to say in verse number 1, uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Three things, he says, don't do. Don't walk, don't stand, and don't sit in places we're not supposed to be. You know what that is? It's talking about a life that's separated. You want to keep this joy flowing in your heart? John writes in 1 John 1, he said, These things write I unto you that your joy may be full. God wants our joy to be overflowing, abundant. And then he says, listen, if you're not walking in fellowship, you're not going to have that joy. But if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know, you want to keep that joy flowing in your heart. You know, I've seen so many Christians. I've been to a lot of churches because we were on the road on deputation. And sometimes you walk into a church building and nobody's smiling. And I thought to myself, man, what is wrong with this church? You know, uh, you don't need to pay money to smile. You don't need to have money in your pocket to smile, by the way. You know, when you have Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You have a home in heaven. You have a church, like Nathan said, this church. What a blessing. He's told me this multiple times. What a blessing my pastor and our church is. And I'm so grateful. You know, he found a church that's Bible-believing and Bible-preaching. And I'm just saying tonight, you know, we need a life that's separated because sin contaminates us, sin complicates our lives. And this is what we find in the world today. And God says, you know, the best way to avoid it is don't go where you're going to get into trouble. You know, one of the biggest problems with a kitten, and he sees a ball of wool, it's too tempting. And he starts playing that ball of wool, now he's tangled up, now he can't get out, you know. Somebody's got to help him. That's how sin is. It looks good, it feels great, and then it's, it traps you. And then you're in trouble now. And praise God for Jesus that can still save us and help us out of those problems. So we find you need to be saved, you need to be separated. But Lord, notice verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Uh, you know what's uh, the secret to keep the joy flowing? Not only be separated, but listen, be saturated in the word. The word of God satisfies his delight. You see a little kid eating a popsicle? They don't just gulp it down. They make it last all day, right? You get an ice cream cone, you just want to take your time and enjoy every lick, you know? The Word of God ought to delight us. It ought to satisfy our deepest longings. And the Bible says here, he meditates day and night. You know, how, do I be, how, how can I be filled with the Spirit when I'm walking with the Lord, when I'm letting his Word do the work when I let the Holy Spirit control me. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? It means to be spirit-controlled. Often, uh, when we squeeze like a sponge, what comes, what comes out of a sponge is what goes into a sponge. So if I'm not walking with the Lord, and if I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not praying, when somebody rubs on me, guess what's going to happen? The flesh is going to come out. But when somebody rubs on me, and I'm walking with the Lord, now I can respond differently. You know, God wants 
to let his love shine through us. We're supposed to reflect the sun. We're supposed to be like him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You be the light of the world too. And so he continues to talk about that same thing, verse number three as well. And he says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We'll break that up in a bit here. But notice here, not only uh, should we be saturated, but we should be satisfied. You know, the tree that's planted, that word planted actually is translated from the Hebrew is as uh, transplanted. You know, well, what did God do when he saved Nathan? You know what God did? He took him from out of the world and he put him into his body. Transplanted. God took us out from the world, from sin, from Satan. We belong to Satan. We were actually, uh, you know, Jesus told the Pharisees this. He said, you are of your father, the devil. You know, we were saved. And I tell people all the time, we belong to God because of two things. Number one, by virtue of creation, God created us. We belong to him whether we believe in him or not. That's secondary. But then when we get saved, we're redeemed through him. So we're twice bought. We are precious. And we ought to never forget that, you know. And so we find here this tree that's transplanted. Notice where he plants it, by the rivers of water. Where's the river of water for us here in our context? It's our church. It's the place where God puts us, where he wants us to thrive and not just survive. He wants us to thrive. God wants to feed you his word. That's what happened to Nathan, actually, and Neha and Johan. What God's done is put them in a good church where they could hear the word and be taught and grow and see things for the first time in their lives. You know, I pastored a long time in India for 13 years before I came to America. Praise God, he put me in a good Bible college. But I never learned soul winning like I learned it when I came to Long Beach, California with Pastor John Wilkerson. He took me out without him telling me. Oftentimes he'd say, Brother Jacob, you free? I said, what do you mean free pastor? He said, you got 15 minutes? I'm going somewhere. And he put me in his car, take me out. And then he'd go knock on the door, we'll soul win. And I listened, I watched. I saw his heart for people. You know, it's a passion, it's a love. And uh, you, can, you cannot have, uh, you know, you need to have compassion to have passion too. If you don't have compassion on people, you'll never share the gospel. And I learned, if you don't carry a gospel track, you can't give one out. Keep them all the time. It needs to be like a, a gun that's loaded. A gun that's not loaded is no good, in trouble. You need to be ready. And I've been, you know, in places when I didn't have a gospel track, when I want to witness, I'm like, man, I wish... I could find one. I can't find one. You know, and so uh, we need to be always ready, be on soul patrol. We find here, the Bible says, um, he'll bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Notice what a wonderful thing God does. Not only does he, uh, you know, save us, separate us, saturate us, satisfy us. He puts us by the water, gives us all the nutrients, gives us all the help we need to just to, uh, to thrive and, and to survive. And boy, I tell you what, he says he's going to bring success into our lives too. In the ver end of verse number three, he says, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There's success. Success is not how much money you make. It's not how much material things you've accumulated. It's not those are things you can't succeed in. But true success is leaving a legacy of successors behind you. And that is the people that you take with you to heaven. It's the people that you bring alongside. You know, you, could ne you can never be a good leader unless you have followers. 
there's no success without successors. And in the Christian life, our success is not measured by the material things. It's measured by how many people we're going to take with us to heaven and how we're going to impact the lives of those that God saved and brought into our lives. It takes a lot of time, by the way, to disciple somebody, to love on somebody, to help somebody. My son, this uh, Monday morning, they went out and met with a boy that got saved three weeks ago. And I didn't tell him to do this, but he went on his own and took Colton. Colton had brought Sam from his college. And Colton was under depression. Nathan spoke about him a minute ago. And Colton was going to commit suicide. He was driving down through downtown Nashville last October. And he said, I want to find a way to end my life. And praise God for my youngest son had invited a girl called Piper to church. And Piper invited Colton that night. Colton needed to come. He said, anyways, I'm going to end my life. Why not try church? And he came and God saved him. And Colton's a changed person. You, you won't believe what God's done with him. But Colton invited Sam, his friend. And guess what Sam's having trouble with? Depression. He's, he wants to commit suicide. And praise God, Colton invited him to church. He got saved three weeks ago. And my son met with him and took time out of his busy schedule. And Colton and him went, bought him ice cream, talked about Jesus, confirmed his salvation, made sure he's saved, and said, now you need to plug into church. You need to go to discipleship. You need to grow. You know, it takes time. It's going to take some money. They had to buy him ice cream. And uh, sometimes, you know, as Christians, we are so busy, we don't have time. But uh, thank God, I look at the people. I'm so grateful for Ms. Olive Britton. I'm thinking of all my teachers this, this evening. What a blessing that God would send those people into my lives to love on me. I think about Ms. Olive Britton. Uh, she told a story one time. She said, when she was young and she was in Bible college, uh, there was a boy who, who, who really liked her. He said, I want to marry you. And she said, well, wonderful. But she said, there's a problem. And he said, what's the problem? He said, she said, God's called me to go to India. If you'd go with me to India, then I'll marry you. She said, because God called me before I met you. Had I met you after, maybe things would have been different, but I met you, I mean, I, I was called before I met you. And he said, in that case, I can't marry you. And she went as a single lady, never got married. But the week uh, she was, her ship was about to sail, and in those days, of course, in the 1940s, you know, you, ships took forever to get to India. And uh, she was going to set sail. Her mom got very critically ill, and um, she prayed. She said, Lord, would you be kind enough to let me go later? Uh, can I postpone my ticket? And God said, no, you don't need to do that. I'll take care of mom. You go. And I don't know whether she ever got to see her mom later on or not. But she went determined to reach people in India. And I think about her, I thank God for Ms. Olive Britton so many times over for what she did for me. You know, uh, our, but you know what really made the difference? There's a lot of campers that walked into that building that, day, that evening that was saved. A lot of them were saved. But nobody walked down the aisle to talk with me and ask me my name and ask me if I was saved or not, but she did. And that changed my life. And uh, it's just an amazing thing that God will do in our lives. And so... Uh, you know, you want success in your work, success in ministry, success in the things that God's putting you, maybe education. You know what? Put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let me go quickly on to the next few verses here. So we see here, uh, the Bible teaches us about the saved man. Now notice the next one, verses 4 and 5, talks about the sinful man. Notice the contrast. He says, the ungodly are not so 
What's that word ungodly? It means wicked, criminal, guilty. You know, people that don't have God, the Bible tells us in John 3, he says, he that uh, believeth not is already condemned. These people are awaiting judgment. And if Jesus were to come today, these people are going to be in hell. Do you know America's in dire need? I just came out from a conference, and uh, from a missions conference in um, Clinton, North Carolina, and uh, they were running some numbers, and they said America has 366 million people now. And they said 330 million Americans don't know Jesus. They're either unchurched or unsaved. Boy, that burned my heart. Every 11 seconds as we sit here in this building, somebody's going to die in America. Every 11 seconds. Where are they going to go? We've got to consciously think about the ungodly. The Bible says the ungodly are not. So notice three things about the ungodly. Number one, uh, we find they're, they're dead. They're spiritually dead. The Bible says the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Not only are they dead spiritually, but they're doomed eternally. You know, once they die, there's no hope after that. There's no purgatory. There's no middle ground. It's over. And so, you know, they don't know where they're headed. We think they do. A lot of philosophical people and educated people will talk all kinds of theories. You know, that's what Colton was doing. He went to an atheist group in, on campus, um, an agnostic group, and they gave him all kinds of theories. But it didn't give him hope, you know. And so tonight, we realize the sinful people, they're dead spiritually, they're doomed eternally. And notice here in verse number uh, Five again, uh, they'll not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? That word perish is to be destroyed permanently. That ought to burden our hearts. Not only are they dead spiritually, they're doomed, you know, doomed uh, because judgment's appending them, but they're also going to be separated eternally from God. You know, God created man for one reason. If you look at Revelation 4.11, the Bible says he created all things for his pleasure. You know, God wants us to bring him joy. Uh, our jobs are not the primary reason. I was telling our church this. I said, our jobs are not the reason God created us, and we've made everything about work today. If I don't have time, then I'll go to church. I said, would you do that on Monday for your work? Miss a service? Uh, I said, we do three services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays, and uh, you choose to miss two services, and you come for one. I said, how about miss Monday and Wednesday at work and Thursday at work and see what happens? You wouldn't do that. Why? Because you're getting a paycheck. But listen, God's given us more than a paycheck. He's given us heaven as our home. He's forgiven my sins. Not only forgiven my sins, he's removed the guilt of my sins. He's given me joy abundant. He's given me blessings I cannot count. We have so much to be thankful for. And boy, I tell you what. Uh, these people are in big trouble. They're going to be separated from a God that loved them so much. He created them. You know, God created all the world in uh, six days. He spoke them into existence, but when it came to Adam, what did God do? He took dirt and he formed Adam, fashioned him. Then he took a rib, made Eve. You know what God did? He took time. He said, you're special. You're important to me. And what do we do to God? We say, God, listen, I don't really care. And that's why tonight, I believe we ought to be burdened 
for people. My wife just sent me a text this evening. She said, um, I wish I could uh, see the text here in just a minute, and it just broke our, my heart about it. Uh, she's talking about Nashville, and she sent me this text this evening. She said, North Nashville. She said, highest incarceration rate in the country is in Nashville, Tennessee, in the North Nashville. Can you imagine that? Uh, we're living in a world that's wicked, in a world that's headed the wrong direction, and we're in trouble. And our people are in trouble. Our children are in trouble. We have a hospital in Nashville, Vanderbilt, a famous hospital doing surgeries on kids and changing their gender. And yet we're blinded. We have no godly, righteous judgment and anger and upsetness. That ought to burden us. And tonight I want to close here in verse number 6. Notice verse 6, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. You know what that says to me? We're settled. The righteous man is safe and secure, can never be lost. And God has given us these blessings. That's why God put this psalm as the doorkeeper to the book of Psalms, the gateway to the book of Psalms. God says, listen, you want joy, let me show you how you can get it. It's through God, through Jesus, through the Bible. And if you don't have him, you can search the world over, you'll never find joy. And so tonight, if we have that joy, what are we supposed to do with that joy? Share it. That's what Nathan's doing. He and Neha and Johan, they didn't know, don't need to go back. But they're going to take the gospel to lost people. And if you go one day to India, you'll find there's temples, there's all kinds of things. And you look at the faces of these people. They're sad. There's fear. There's deathly. You can see death in their, in their faces. They're lost as lost can be. But thank God there's somebody going to punch a hole in the dark. So tonight, I want to say thank you for being here in church. I know it's not easy, but let's keep on pressing on and try to reach the next soul, plant the church that God's called us to plant, and just keep on reaching people because it's the 11th hour and God's coming soon. So I hope to God this, this is a blessing to you. Uh, by the way, also, I wish we could take the time, but he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. You know what? You need to read the Bible. There's 114 million people without Bibles. There's a lot of people in the world without a single page of the Bible, and we have it. Read it, study it, love it, live it. And I pray uh, God will work in our hearts. And Pastor, thank you for the opportunity. I'll let you come here. Thank you. What a great reminder that is to us. And uh, boy, the, the fact that uh, we have, there's so many promises to those who live for God. And uh, so many, so many promises for those who don't live for God too, uh, except uh, except that it's the opposite direction. And uh, what, what a reminder that is for us. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're going to pray, and then we'll have a time of invitation. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, you can come. Father, we love you again. We thank you for your goodness to us. So thank you for the message tonight. Thank you for the reminder that we have from the Word of God. And boy, what a what a tremendous responsibility we have to. Not just to this lost and dying world, but to this lost and dying community that we live in right here. And God, there's, there are people all across the world that need the message of the gospel. But there's people all across this community that need the gospel too. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in sharing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you've called us to give. And I do pray for Nitin and Neha as they go to India. I pray for us as we labor here. Pray for Pastor Richard as he, as he tries to reach Nashville. God, we have so many, so many opportunities 
and uh, so many obstacles that are in the way as well. And, and so many times we let those obstacles stop us from seeing the opportunities and taking the opportunities that you want us to have and that you've given us to share the gospel. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in, uh, in, in doing what you've called us to do. Well, thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, the invitation is open. You can come.